Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. We could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola, come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. <clears throat> I made tea. This is Kieran with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And if you haven't listened to Avoid the Maze previously, well, let me tell you, it's about a journey. Your journey, my journey, and the journey of my guest, Sharon Hughes. Sharon is also a podcaster, so you may have caught her podcast in the past and have heard her speak. She's a public speaker. And what drew me to Sharon was a comment that she makes on um, one of her pages. And it says, what if you're not who you think you are? And I know most of my life, I always wanted to be a little bit of somebody else. I just saw her hair look better. She has nicer eyes. She's thinner than I am. There are just so many different things about that person that I want to be. And yet I am me. And it took me a long time to accept the fact that it's okay to be who I am. So Sharon, tell us a little bit about yourself. And as you're doing that, where did this line come from? What if you think you aren't who you think you are? Oh, well, thank you for having me on, Karen. I, I'm just so thrilled to be here. Well, it's been a long journey indeed. And um, as you know, I've written a book, The Girl in the Garage, Three Steps to Letting Go of Your Past. And in that book, I really tell the whole story, which you certainly don't have time for today. <laughs> but the, the premise of you're not who you think you are really came from truly a life-altering moment for me. I had been through a lot and was was not struggling with confidence issues, but struggled with self-worth issues, thinking things about myself that simply were not true. And it was probably about five or six years ago, there was one morning I woke up, I was still laying in bed and I was talking to God and I was saying, I'm not gonna make it. I'm just not gonna get through this. And I just so clearly heard him say, what do you believe about yourself? And I just thought, oh my goodness, are you kidding? You, you know. And then I heard, is it true? And that became just such a pivotal moment for me of going on this journey of going deeper of what, well, what have I believed about myself all these years? At that point, I had turned 50 and I had been dragging around a lot of brokenness for, for many decades. And this became just the question I had to ask myself every single day, what am I choosing to believe today? 
And there were days that it was even multiple times during the day. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where that's, that statement came from. And I found it so applicable to many other people around us, if not most. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because for the first 60 years of my life, um, I really fought not with, you know, what I looked like, what I wanted to be, but was I good enough? Okay. Mm. Um, I kept hearing people saying things that they probably weren't, but that's what I was imagining. And particularly my mother. Okay. I always thought my mother, when she would say, you know, your hair really looks good when it's short. And it's like, oh, I'm growing it out. So I guess it doesn't look good. Instead of mm-hmm. asking her, does it look good? This line, mm-hmm. I just assumed it just doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if I was wearing a color that she thought, um, you know, wasn't as appealing to me, she'd say, oh, I really love you in red. And I'd look at her and go, but I don't feel comfortable in red. Mm-hmm. And so I was hearing these mixed comments. So mm-hmm. the majority of my life, I was trying to be something other than who I authentically was. Mm-hmm. And similar to you, I'm not going to say it was faith-based, but I did wake up one morning and said, wow, I'm wasting my life. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that I have to get up every morning and look at myself and find that one thing that I like. Yeah. So when you, so when you went through this, mm-hmm. was that something similar that you said, wait a second, I'm carrying this baggage around. It's too heavy. Yeah, it really was. And, and, you know, our parents are so influential. Yes. So like the story that you just shared, um, you know, as kids, we pick up things by what our parents say but a whole lot is picked up by what they don't say. Right. Or even the busy parents that they're not intending harm, but they're too busy to be parents. They're, they're trying to survive They're you know, maybe they have a terrible boss and they're trying to keep food on the table and pay the mortgage. And they, they seem to think, you know, we, we've all heard this. Oh, kids are resilient. They'll be yeah. fine. Well, yes and no. We still need parents that are very aware and are participating and helping us navigate growing up. So for me, I had parents that um, were not very emotionally healthy. My father was very abusive. My mother was very much the, the victim and she didn't think right in her head. Even though they had divorced, they both remarried. My father remarried multiple times. I haven't spoken to him in many years, but um, about 20 years ago, he was on wife number four and she was getting ready to leave. And it was the same story. All the women said the same thing about him. It was like, come on, at some point you have to be accountable for what you're doing to other people. But I guess 20, 30 years ago. I mean, I, I think when I hit a, adulthood in the, the mid eighties, nobody was really talking about mental health and getting help. People were just <laughs> navigating as best they could. So back then it was like, okay, now I'm an adult 
And all I wanted was to be married and have kids and kind of have the picket fence, the American mm-hmm. dream. And that's probably what kept me from ending up in a lot of trouble. My siblings ended up in trouble, lots of trouble with drugs and, you know, being arrested and things like that. And um, I'll never forget, there was this one, one uh, counselor I'd seen, this is probably about 10 or 11 years ago. And he said to me, you're not like most women that have been through the things that you have. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, they usually have 10 kids from five baby daddies and they're living in a trailer. And I think he meant it as a compliment, but I was a little bit irritated with this whole thing because I thought, okay, now fast forward. Now I'm meeting just boatloads of women that look like you and I, we look like we're fine And we've put on the I'm fine face. We've learned how to navigate, but there's so many women that are hurting. So why is the stereotype that um, you have to have, you know, hit rock bottom, be living in a trailer and have all that kind of drama going on. (laughs) It was just such a weird, it was just a weird concept to me. Well, I, I think, you know, people like to have this concept in their mind of who we are or who we should be. And I remember when I went through my divorce from my first husband, um, everybody kept saying to me, oh, you're so strong. You make friends, you know, it's, you know, put it, put it in the past. You're just going to go and be fine. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, well, no, I'm not. Because similar to your story that you brought in the beginning, I wanted to be married. I wanted to have that house. I wanted to have that family. I wanted it to last like my parents' marriage was lasting. And it was like, you know, if this must be me, okay, um, at least 50% of it must be me. Uh, and so people saw me differently. And when I wasn't as strong as they expected me to be, um, I became very, very weak because mm-hmm. it was like, you expected me to be up here. I was sort of in the middle. So if you would have helped me and guided me, I could have gotten up here. Mm-hmm. But instead, you insisted I should do it on my own. And I felt a rock bottom. Mm. And it took me a long time to understand that and stop assuming what other people are going through. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm close enough, I'll ask, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have to agree with what you're going through. But if I know what you're going through, I'll know where, you know, the landmines are mm-hmm. and that's going to help you rather than, you know, me just keep trudging forward mm-hmm. and everything explodes. Mm, that's interesting that, you know, that's good. That's, that's just, that's just truth right there for the listeners. That's just truth right there. It's interesting to me also that people will say, oh, you're so strong. It's almost like they put the hero cape on you or they think you're the weakling and they kind of vilify you because I've also heard that, well, you should have known better. Why should I have known better? So for example, for for the listeners to know, the the reason why, why my book is called The Girl in the Garage is because when I was 16, I went to a Halloween party and I was handed a cup and you know where this is going. Yep. Well, 16-year-old girls, they think they're just going to have a drink, they're at a Halloween party, and that this is fun. You don't think you're going to wake up in a garage seven hours later. So how can anybody say, we well, should have known better? 
well, why? I wasn't watching the news. This wasn't something on the news every night. Watch out for the red cup because you're going to end up in a garage in a few hours. You know, <laughs> you expect just a hangover, if that. And um, I, I, I was talking to a, a guy. We were talking about um, how common sexual assault is amongst women. And I don't even know how we came up with this, but this is what we came up with. Every woman knows somebody that's been assaulted but no man knows an assailant. Interesting. Isn't that really interesting? And it's like, why? <laughs> why is that? I don't think it's that they really don't know, but they don't look at it in the same manner, okay? Um, and I've heard this amongst young people. I work on, on the weekends, I do IT work and I work with um, a lot of young kids you know, 17 and up. Mm -hmm. And I listen to their stories. And there are those that go to work, go to school, and then come home and play games. And then there's that other group that go to school, go to work. And then I don't care what their age is or legally allowed to do. They're going out drinking, they're, they're taking drugs. And, but they're very open about it. Mm -hmm. When I was in college, I didn't tell anybody that I was, you know, getting drunk on the weekend uh, because if it ever got back to my parents, that would have been a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. But these kids, they're, they're very open about it. And I've said to them, so you're coming in here to work on the weekend with a hangover. And many of them said, oh yeah. But they don't remember a lot of times what they did the night before. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand where that accountability has gone away. Okay. Um, like you said, back in the day when you went to this party and you were handed a red cup, things were still a little more naive back then. Okay. Not as open as it is today. Um, and so maybe you didn't know. And even if you did, maybe you thought it's not going to happen to me because I got a good brain. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to take control. And that's what a lot of us think. You know, that's a really, that's a good point too. I have three kids. They're all grown and out of the house. Two of them are boys. And I've always told my sons, when you go out, if you see a girl that's had too much to drink, you need to intervene. You need to be the good Samaritan. I mean, what happened to people looking out for each other? This has become, I mean, we say it's the land of opportunity, but it's a whole different opportunity going right. on now. <laughs> And I said, I said to the, so the guy I was talking to, I said, why is it that a woman could be, let's say she's, she's stark naked on the wrong side of town and the sun's gone down. Why isn't she safe? Why is it that people will frame that as, well, she shouldn't have been there. Well, what was she wearing? She was asking for, it. it's like, where is this thinking coming from? It's all lies, right? It's truly lies. You should be safe, regardless of who you are, what you're wearing, or or uh, where you are. People need to look out for each other. And I live right outside of LA. So, <laughs> and I've lived here all my life. And there's like some neighborhoods where people do. And then there's just some neighborhoods that don't. Right. Well, and I remember hearing that when I was growing up too, you know, your skirt's too short for you to go out. 
people are going to think. Um, you know, you don't have to wear a push-up bra because by doing that, you're asking for it. And as a young teenager and young adult, that used to bother me because what did I see on TV? What did I see in mm -hmm. magazines? When I went to the store and I went to buy a dress or a top or pants, what were they pushing? They were pushing mm -hmm. sexy clothes. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day asking my mother, so why aren't I allowed to wear it if everybody else is? And she said, it's not that you're not allowed to wear it, but you have to know how to wear it. Hmm. And I didn't understand that until recently when um, I was interviewing somebody on another show and she was practically naked on Zoom. <laughs> and um, I was like, I was, I, you know, I asked before we started, are you sure, you know, this is the image you want to portray? And she said, yes. Um, we turned it into an audio. We did not, I did not put it up as a video um, because I have more respect for her. Okay. Yeah. She may not have had enough respect for herself, but I had respect for her. And she was a little upset with me about it. And I said, you have to know where you can dress that scantily. Mm -hmm. I said, it's, it's not on my podcast. You have a podcast and that's what you choose to do. And you can frame it that way. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be comfortable with it. Yeah. And it took me a long time to understand that, that, mm -hmm. you know, just because it's not right for me, doesn't mean it's not right for the next person. Mm. And I, mean, I think that's wisdom, right? Isn't there such a big difference between knowledge and wisdom? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 We can all have know everything that's written in books and we can repeat it, but <laughs> if we can't use it, that makes a whole difference. Yeah. And where to apply it. <laughs> I, I could just see you and I talking all night about this stuff. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, and that's what I'm hoping the listeners understand that we have to have these conversations. Mm. These conversations are so important. Um, I mean, you've had a long journey and you're, you're in the middle of it. It's not over. We don't know what we're going to come face to face with tomorrow, next year. Um, and the last year and a half, things have totally changed. Mm -hmm. in our society. Um, and if we're not letting people be aware of where we're coming from, because one of the things I heard you talk about is that um, you had an abusive father, married many, many times. So you didn't come from that cohesive family unit. Mm -hmm. um, your mom wasn't strong enough to really deal with it. And you, unlike your siblings, you are stronger in some ways or more, um, more in tune with not falling down and getting into drugs or, or getting in trouble with the law. And a lot of people would look at you and say, why are you different, Sharon? Why did it happen to them and not to you? I get asked that a lot and I don't know that there's really a clear answer to that, this side of heaven. 
I really believe that people who go through trauma, so my brothers experience trauma also, and they end up in drugs. I think drugs many, many, many times are a trauma response, just like any other addiction definitely is. Um, not everybody agrees with that, but nobody, nobody smokes pot and thinks, oh, I'm going to turn into a junkie one day and shoot heroin. Like that's just not what somebody sits down and says right. to themselves. Yet they find themselves hurting and something's going on inside them that's breaking open and screaming so loud that they keep doing something else to ease the pain. Now I deal with women that have in my coaching business, women that have had some type of abuse or some type of trauma. And it's everything from drugs to shopping to porn. I mean, it's a lot of shopping with women and it's a lot of food addiction. And it's, it's the same response. They've just found their drug of choice. So it doesn't have to be drug addiction. And why I turned out different, I don't know. Um, like before you hit record, I told you I'm, I'm faith-based and my, my faith is important. There was always something about that that I think was my, my North Star, even though I made just a boatload of mistakes. And now through the book and the coaching that I'm doing, I can see that, you know, if you believe in God and if you believe in, you know, goodness and that things can turn around and be used for good, like, like I do, I can see that that is happening now. Why somebody else didn't, gosh, I don't know. But I think we all have that opportunity to make a choice. And there's, there's so many choices presented to us, you know, in our course of our lives, choose this path or choose that path. And we go down one path that might get us into trouble. But even there, there's more choices. Do I turn back? Do I, do I go a different route? And some people, they truly don't know how they need help. And other people, I guess more like, like the way I did it, somehow you just figure it out. That's really all I got. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. all I got for that question. <laughs> well, and you know, it's as simple of an answer as it is, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I was looking for myself, um, you know, I went through counseling um, and now I totally understand the difference between counseling and coaching. I think if I would have understood coaching, you know, 20 plus years ago, um, that would have been my route. But yeah. I thought there was something wrong with me. I was going to somebody to help fix me. Mm. Um, and even though therapists told me they weren't going to fix me, um, that's that was still what I was expecting. And that's what so many people do expect. You know, we go to the doctor and we say, you know, I'm hurting. The doctor says, where? Oh, I got a pill for that. I have, you know, uh, a mm -hmm. rub for that. There's always something that they come right. up with. Um, but when I guess it was like right around my 60th birthday, um, I was in corporate America. It wasn't working for me. Um, and I just felt myself slipping, slipping away. Mm -hmm. And I came home one day and I thought to myself, I'm not even sure I love my husband, but I couldn't think about being without him. Not that mm -hmm. I needed him. I wanted him, mm -hmm. but I didn't understand why I wanted him. And 
my uh, youngest son was just, you know, 20, 21 years old. And I was looking at him and it's like, you know, are you ever going to get your act together? Are you ever going to move out? You know, and all this just bottled up in me. And I read something somewhere. I don't even remember. I wish I could, but I read something and I realized, wait a second, I have a choice to make. Mm -hmm. And the choice isn't about staying with my husband, helping my son. It's about me looking at me and saying, hey, what is it you want to do? Yeah. And so I told both my husband and my son, I'm going to be selfish for the first time in my life. And they both looked at me and they stood up and applauded me. Aww. I was like, what is going on? You know, I'm, I thought they were going to get mad. And that's what I was looking for. So what I'm trying to tell people is that we think we're going down a path. We think we're doing all the right things, mm -hmm. you know, get married, have kids, have a job, be nice to your parents and on and on and on. But at the end of the day, when you put your head down on that pillow mm -hmm. and you're not happy, mm -hmm. you got to start figuring it out. Yeah. And, you know, I won't say I prayed, but I certainly looked up to the heavens a lot thinking, you know, lead me, lead me mm -hmm. in the right way. Mm -hmm. And um, every morning I'd get up and I remembered something my father did his whole life. He would get up every morning, look in the mirror and he'd say, good morning, handsome. It's a beautiful <laughs> day. You know, and the whole house would wake up. And so I started doing it too. Aww. And it was that affirmation of I'm okay. Yeah. So when did you start turning this around and say, you know what? Maybe if I become a coach, not only can I help other people along the way, but I can help myself. Yeah. Well, I had always had such a, a heart for serving other people and I had done everything else besides coaching right before I I got certified as a coach, I actually had an international home decor business. And that was just, you know, my love, my, my passion. It had definitely opened a lot of doors for me and helped me through some really difficult times in my life. But it was in 2013 and I was on the brink of walking away from a 20 year marriage. And I had started the personal development journey myself just a couple of years ago or years before that. So gosh, that would have been around, you know, 2010, 2011 in there. And I happened to read this book called You're Already Amazing. It's written by Holly Girth, and she is a, a faith-based um, author. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And the book was so good. I said, gosh, nobody's ever told me that I'm okay the way I am. And I had always really struggled with myself. I'm a ridiculous extrovert. If you're standing in line next to me at Target, I will probably talk to you. I talk to people on the street, in the elevator. You know, I love to make people laugh. And I was around people that tolerated me. I was around people that thought I was too much. I was extra. And I kept thinking, what is wrong with me? So here I'd read this book by Holly and I reached out to her on Facebook. And she started messaging back. 
And it was so wonderful. She said, well, why don't you become a licensed therapist? And I was like, honey, by the time I'm done and I get all the clinical hours, I'll be like a hundred years old. <laughs> she was darling. And she said, well, I'm also certified as a coach and I'll share with you where I went. And so she did that. And I reached out to this lovely lady named Janet from Life Breakthrough Academy. So there's a plug if anybody wants to get certified. And, and boy, Janet was just amazing to work with. And um, it was kind of funny was you're learning how to help other people. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at myself and going, Oh, I'm checking all these boxes off of like, believed that lie, believed that lie. And that was really the bigger turning point. And then it was several years later, with that story I shared in the beginning of, well, what do you believe about yourself? So it's, it's funny how things can take a really long time to line up to get you where you're supposed to be. But I just want to encourage your, your audience, just hang in there. Listen to those dreams in your heart. If you're wired to communicate and talk to strangers in the elevator, there's probably a bigger purpose yeah. on you than what you might think. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, when I left corporate America, uh, my son, uh, he was doing an internship um, and he was doing an internet radio. And my original degree was in communications and broadcasting. And I was so excited for him, but I was also so jealous. It was like, he's doing what I want to do. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how I could do it because I had a full-time job that was taking me 50, 60 hours a week. Um, I also had a part-time job. I was also a wife and a mother and a daughter and, you know, everything else came first. And when I left corporate America, um, that's when I realized it's not too late. I mm. can do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was talking to the internet station where he was working and I came up with an idea and it was like, you know, once a week, what if I share in a good story, what the news normally doesn't talk about, um, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to be, mm -hmm. you know, there may be a little bit of trauma that leads up to it, but look how it turned out. And um, they were a very urban station and they said to me, oh, it will never work. But you know what? If you want to do it, we'll give you a time slot. I said, okay, I'll take it. And I did it with them for about eight months. Um, and then I realized there was more to it. I could do more. And so I researched on what I could use, what I needed, um, you know, got the tools together. And once I started doing podcasting and getting getting other people's stories out. It's like, I'm helping myself. This mm -hmm. is, this is great therapy. Um, yeah. you know, and I don't have to pay for it. Um, but I started realizing like you, I wanted to help people, mm -hmm. but I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor. I wasn't going to be a nurse. I wasn't going to be, you know, a licensed therapist because I didn't want, I didn't want to go that route. I just wanted to be here and say, hey, here's a shoulder. I'm not going to take your bowl, but I'm going to give you a platform 
to share. Mm -hmm. And it's rewarding at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you know, and like you asked in the beginning, well, Karen, you know, my podcast is faith-based. Is that okay to talk about? Well, absolutely. That's who Sharon is. And I wouldn't want you to be anything other than who you are. Because mm. you probably struggle just getting to where you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a, I've, I've had most, most people that invite me on their show, they're fine because they already know and they kind of have that expectation. I think it says I'm a chaplain in my bio. So they kind of know. But some people are like, be faith-based, but don't play the Jesus card. And I get that, you know, you, it's like, hey, it's your show. But I had something interesting happen recently where somebody invited me on their show. And what they did not disclose is that they were looking to, to debate theology. And it was really disappointing. It did not go well. I'm not a person that likes to debate. I'm the person that wants to love you, give you a sandwich and make you feel better. I don't like confrontation. I had enough of that growing up. <laughs> so it, it was it was just recent that that happened. And it's actually kind of turned into a little bit of a difficulty. And, and I just thought, gosh, you know, you just, you never know. Most people, I think most podcasters really come from such a place of really wanting to serve their audience, make new friends, great connections. And, and I've been really, really blessed. I've met some incredible people that still they'll message me out of the blue, you know, Merry Christmas or, Oh, happy birthday. Or how are you? I was thinking about you. It's just a way to connect. We have to be careful that it's not abused or misconstrued. Yeah, just like everything, but sometimes we need to be reminded. Well, and if you, if you look at religion, so many of them really overlap, have the same premise. Um, you know, they may use different words in their prayers. They... They may stand when they pray, they may kneel when they pray, all different things. Um, and to me, when, you know, I was brought up um, conservative Jewish, so it's right in between, well, you're not Orthodox, you're not Reformed, what, what do you really believe in? Um, mm -hmm. And it's like, well, it depends, you know, which way the sun is going, east or west. <laughs> um, but you know, I sort of walked away from religion for a long period of my life. And when my mother passed away um, five years ago, I was drawn back, not as a religious person, but as a traditionalist, as a reconnection. It was the warmth of, you know, going to a Friday night service or a high holiday service. Mm. But at the same time, my husband was brought up Christian. Mm -hmm. And so you know, for many years with his mother, we would go to Christmas Eve mass. And even though it didn't have the same meaning to me as it did to them, I found it beautiful. I found it warm. I found it like, you know, I'm being enriched. Yeah. And so it's not about what you call yourself. It's about how you lend yourself to the world. Mm, that's really good. Lots of wisdom coming Absolutely. out of Karen today. <laughs> <laughs> so Sharon, tell us how our listeners can find you because I, I think it's important that they listen to a variety of different people. And, you know, 
find the comfort that they need. Oh, thank you. Well, you can find me at SharonHughes.net and that's traditional spelling. No relation to Howard Hughes. Kind of wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on Instagram at Sharon Hughes official and just, hey, pop in and say hello. I just love to hear from, from people that have found me via podcasts. It makes the world a little warmer and a little cozier. Absolutely. Yeah. And how can they find your book? Oh, so the book is The Girl in the Garage, Three Steps to Letting Go of Your Past. And it's at Barnes and Noble. I think it's still on target.com. It's on amazon.com. Let's see. It was on Walmart for a while. <laughs> Might not be in all those places, but I know it's for sure at Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's a book worth reading. Um, I think we all have to take a step back and realize that, um, we're all on a journey. And if we can learn from somebody else's, that is, you know, that makes it so much easier. But the biggest thing is we have to learn from our own journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so well said. Yes, the book is actually written workbook style. And it's short so that you can grab it. And in a weekend, you can get a breakthrough and really go deep of, you know, what am I believing about myself? We break up with labels and lies and all kinds of things in that book. I love it. Well, we're going to have to have you back on oh, because gosh. I'll You're tell so you, kind. <laughs> um, you know, there's so much more and hopefully some of our listeners, you know, are going to reach out and tell us, you know, how they want to share their story too. And maybe we can make it a panel discussion because mm. it's really important to, you know, live your best life. Oh, Karen, you're a doll. I would well, love thank that. You. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a happy holiday and we'll be uh, in touch. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.